Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jock Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe and the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome to episode 76 of Jacques Talk. I'm calling this my Jordan flu game because I do not feel that good. Uh, joined here by Big Jordan, the Big Rick. What's up, Doc? What up? What up? Who you got for 76? Larry Bethel. And one Boy, of your that's bu- a random name. One of your <laughs> Buffalo Bills. Fred Smurlis. Okay. I was going with Flozell Adams myself, but, you know. It's yeah, Flozell. I mean, what, well, what I usually do is I go off the top of my brain. True that. And you know, I we got criticized going off the top of our brain because none of us came up with Rayfield right off the top of our head. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, well, I, I was I was thinking about that. Well, Zach Martin came, but, yeah, Rayfield Wright was good. Yeah. All right. But that's, uh, that's 76. Um, what I need you to do right now. If you do your boy a favor, do me a solid. Is go right over to YouTube, go to the Real Jacques Talk, subscribe, like, make a comment on the, on the YouTube channel. That helps us get going for some things we got going on next month that are huge. We should be making an announcement soon, but we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, you can always follow the show on IG at the Real Jacques Talk. You can find your boy, that would be me, on Twitter at JJT Journalist. I am Jean Jacques Taylor, is the handle. Um, now, I do like to remind y'all that if you don't do anything else today, after you subscribe to the YouTube channel, go lock this number in your phone, 972-934-8900. It's Greening Law, because if you're ever involved in an accident, 18-wheeler, somebody else's medical malpractice, somebody has done something negligently that has caused you some harm, what you need to do is pick up the phone, dial that number, 972-934-8900, Green Law, and just say, when they answer the phone, say, hey, how you doing? Here's the details of my situation. What do you think? That's literally all that's required. And I'm telling you, they bring you on as a client. It's been a huge day for you. Huge day. Because what they do is they take care of everything involved in a fight between insurance companies. They don't get paid unless you get paid. See that consultation? That's free. You just tell them your situation. And you don't come out of any money. They don't get paid unless you get paid. So you don't ever have to wonder where you fit in the priority list, how important a client you are, none of that. Know that you're at the top of their their priority list. Now, here's the deal. They want you focused on two things and two things only. Healing and renewal. Get your mind right, get your body right, get your life back. That's what they want you to focus on. So to do that, if you need a doctor, they'll find your doctor, set up the appointments for you. You need a specialist. They'll find a specialist. Set up those appointments for you. They do every single solitary thing they can do to take the load off your back so that all you have to worry about is healing and renewal. Get your mind right. Get your body right. Get your life back. It's really that simple. So give Greening Law a call. Now, I got to tell you, if you don't want to call 972-934-8900 because you're like, hey, this is tailored. No, you ain't got to take my word for nothing. You can go to the website, greeninglaw.com. Look at the awards that they've won. It's not me handing out those awards. Look at the awards they've won. Look at the work they've done in the community. Look at all the people who have good things to say about them on the site. Clients, former clients. Listen to those people and then make a decision. Who would you rather have representing you than Green and Law? 972-934-8900 is the number. Give them a call if you're ever involved in any kind of accident, you sustain some injuries, and it's not your fault. Dog, those Dallas Cowboys making a little bit of news this week. They're at the Combine. Stephen Jones is talking. Jerry will probably talk later in the week. All the beat writers uh, there, I saw Saad Youssef, the recently married Saad Youssef. I need to talk to him about that. He's there. John Mashota from The Athletic is there. Clarence E. Hill Jr., the E stands for every time I see that boy on social media, He's having a good time, and he was doing so in Indy uh, with the bros up there. That would be cues for those of you not familiar with that. 
Oh, um, so uh, uh, Todd Archer is up there. So that's where all the news is going on right now. It's up at the Combine. And so some of it, I think, is expected, uh, meaning that Stephen was saying the other day that all signs indicate a long-term deal with Dak. That doesn't come as a surprise to me. Although, I'm going to take a very short exit rant because I read something yesterday, bro, and it reminded me. There's a whole lot of consternation. What to do with Dak? Give him an extension. Don't give him an extension. And I read something in the Miami Herald, and they were having this conversation about Tua, and it was, so we're just going to give Tua all this money on the extension? We're not going to talk about his playoff performance, his performance in big games? We're just going to give him that contract? And all I could think of was, Y'all ain't had no real quarterbacks in the damn Marino. And Tua gives you the best chance to win. And y'all tripping over money that ain't yours. And then I said to myself, this is what I'm talking about. Things we think only happen in Dallas happen all over the league. You know? Oh, yeah. It's a big question. Well, the question is whether they, if, if those guys was winning, winning, not just regular season winning, they was doing some Making some moves in the playoffs, nobody would question them. That's the common denominator between Dak and Tua. Now, you're absolutely correct on that. Um, and so, you know, so Dak is going to get his extension, pretty sure. Stephen Jones refused to put a timetable on it, just like he wouldn't put a timetable on the extension for Micah Parsons or CeeDee Lamb, even though Clarence E. Hill Jr. pressed him as hard as he could press him. Like, and Stephen was just like, I'm not giving you a timetable on anything. And uh, all of that, man, kind of raised the question again, uh, or the questions have stayed out there about the Cowboys' culture. I personally don't think that they have that big of an issue with their culture per se. I think, it's, uh, I think that's an easy take. Uh, but that being said, here's what just Stephen Jones had to say about the Cowboys' culture. On down, we feel we feel good about our culture. You always want to be better. I will say that. I mean, if you're not, you know, if your results aren't winning the Super Bowl, I think everybody said, how do we, you know, how do you ultimately be the last guy standing? Uh, but I think overall, between you know, organizationally, between uh, you know, our coach, our, our personnel department, uh, like our leadership on our team's outstanding. So. You know, you're always going to have somebody who's, you know, going to say something uh, that's not, you know, that might be, hey, that's their particular thought process on why we may come up short, but I don't think in general, personally, I don't think it's an issue. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think the Cowboys have a culture issue? Hell yeah, they do. What What do you think is the culture issue? The accountability. We talked about it before, whereas the accountability with from player to player, um, it's a lot of things that, you know, accountability is you looking out for your other man, for the other man, right. and you playing for the other man. It's a lot of things that te- that tears at the accountability and the culture of the Cowboys, you know, the money, the fame, the commercials, the, all of that. But that's mostly NFL stuff, but especially Dallas, especially Dallas. It's almost like I'm happy enough to be a Dallas Cowboy. And... Winning is almost second, you know, second nature. We talked about the many things about Jerry Jones. They always talking about the cap, the cap, the cap. Uh, we got to, we got to save money. We got to do this. We got to do that. It's almost like they they care about the brand more than they actually care about winning. I vacillate on whether I agree with any of that, uh, and I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the general. Uh, because I think too many times we try to come up with all these big old reasons and excuses, and it's really not that. But in this case, I will say, I think the message can get distorted when it comes from Jerry because there's so many things involved sometimes that don't have anything to do with winning. And when I think about it, I think about it primarily like when you play multiple, you know, five preseason games or you crisscrossing the country, with preseason games and putting added miles on your team, that ain't got nothing to do with winning. That's about putting a brand out there. When you're playing preseason games in Mexico and other places, that ain't got nothing to do with winning. That's trying to afford the brand at the expense of winning because, I mean, you're already the richest brand in the world, and we all know that you're at a point now, if you win, you just rake the money in. So you don't have to do any of that stuff. Uh, That's extra. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Now, I don't think that uh, when you talk about culture, I think we often have to just realize that we're just in a different society. And so everybody got a platform. Now everybody got social media. So when I get mad at you, especially since I ain't been trained on social media, I'm mad at you. I'm just going to go out there because my brother's on the team. And I'm going to talk about why it's not my brother's fault we lost. It's your fault. Because that's really what it is. Uh, you know, and we're talking, you know, specifically, you know, whether it's CeeDee Lamb, Mama talking about Dak, or or um, Michael Parsons' brother talking about Dan Quinn or whatever. All that, if you bear it, if you strip away everything, it's really about, it's not my kinfolk fault we lost, it's this guy's fault. Because my kinfolk is perfect. Everything he does is right. Yeah, that's one, and, of, the, that's one of the many things that tear away at the fabric of your, your uh, team or your culture or... Yeah, but, I agree but, with that. I agree with that stuff right there. But I don't think that's particular to Dallas. I think, I mean, we saw some other yeah. people. You know, San Francisco has been doing it since they lost. Oh, yeah. It's just the way, it's the nature of the beast in the world that we live in. Um, so uh, I thought it was a good discussion. One of the few times there's been a good discussion on ESPN. But I'm not surprised because it involved Dominique Foxworth and uh, Lewis Riddick, who are two of the more intelligent uh, minds on on uh, ESPN Plus, they don't scream; they just talk. So well, here, let me let me ask, wait wait. Let me go back to culture. If if them guys lose by three points to the Packers, are we talking about culture? They don't even come up. You know, it, uh, it's, it's just a well. You know, they just lost. They but they got the brakes beat off of them. And that's when you want to tear stuff down. And rebuild your culture. That's where jobs change and life change. When you get beat, when you give up 48 points, get the brakes beat off of you, you know, by a seed that was so much lower than you, you, you had everything set up. That's I think that's where you start talking about, even bring up the word coach. All right. I can, I can buy that. Um, because Dominique Foxworth, it seems to me, uh, said some things like that. Here's what he said on Get Up the other day. Everyone feels like they have a scapegoat to point to. It's either Mike McCarthy or Dax fault. And that, that keeps the team from looking in the mirror and figuring out where the other issues are. And when you allow that to, to like continue, but you then bring back the coach and you keep bringing back the quarterback that you let uh, players, families, and other people close to the organization. And not just people close to the organization. A couple years ago, Jerry Jones was suggesting like that the contract negotiation was going to be challenging and maybe Dak won't be back like you perpetuate those things i think it does allow for a scapegoating that does not um force them to look in the mirror and address some of those on-field issues and some of those game plan concerns that they do have and i think there's some truth in that um because i believe having covered the league for 28 years that every season it ends in profound disappointment see sometimes season just ends on disappointment, or sometimes you're a like Detroit, their team on the rise. So, whatever happened to them, even in the NFC Championship game, it wasn't going to be profound disappointment. It was going to be, hey, we had a great year. Let's get back and go further next year. Now, next year, they might run into some profound disappointment. But for any team that runs into profound disappointment, there's almost, almost always a scapegoat. It's either the owner fires the coach. The coach fires the the uh, the DC, the off defense coordinator, or the offensive coordinator, or the organization decides uh, we're gonna move away from this former superstar because he couldn't get us over the hump. Usually, it's a quarterback or you know an elite player or a player who's been elite in the past. Somebody got to be the we got to give the people ahead. Somebody's to blame for why we didn't win. And um, I think there's a little bit of that in Dallas right now where everything is Dak's fault. Uh, you know, because there's a uh, – it's built up and pent up from what? Nearly 30 years of frustration. The Cowboys not, uh, not getting to the Super Bowl, let alone the NFC Championship game. Uh, you know, after having won those three Super Bowls in four years, which had been unprecedented at the time. And so I think until they get back to the championship game or get back to the Super Bowl, you know, even when they get Dak, even if Dak were to leave, man, whoever they would bring in, that person would just assume the anchor that's wrapped around Dak's neck. 
You think? Yeah. Who who's the who believes that Dak is the scapegoat? Is it the people? Like I was kind of back and forth on Dominique's uh, um, quote there. Um, is he saying the players believe that Dak? They like like they don't have to look in the mirror because they believe Dak is the scapegoat, or is it that the fans think it's the scapegoat? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think he's saying that uh, fans definitely make Dak the scapegoat. That's why people are so worried about why you shouldn't sign him to an extension, even though he's clearly one of the top, pick a number, 10, 11, 12 quarterbacks in the league. Right. Clear, clearly, whether you think he's 9, 10, 11, or 12, he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Right. Uh, I mean, he did finish second in the MVP voting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but then you got, you know, CeeDee Lamb's mama coming on talking about Dak and uh, intimating that it's his fault. Uh, so I think it's some of the fans. And then I think he's talking about subconsciously players. Like when you talk about, hey, it's all these commercials and all this other stuff takes away from the culture. Like I don't think players sit around and consciously say, oh, I got a commercial. I'm, I've arrived at the big time because I play for the Cowboys. But subconsciously, they could. Um, so I think it's probably a little bit of all of that. Uh, you know, because what is it ultimately, though? Ultimately, is people trying to come up for reasons why this team has won 36 games the last three years, keep losing in the first round. Ultimately, yeah, yeah. that's what we're talking I'm about. I'm saying, we talk, we're talking about this year, and, and, and oh, no, the, the fact that they, well, I just keep bringing up the fact that they got their ass mollywopped. And you going to let Dak be the, you know, you thinking Dak is the skate? I mean, not you, but the play, if there's any player that can think that that's Dak's problem, with the 40-some points, he threw a pick six, but with the 40-some points the defense gave up, and you want number, you think number four is the problem? And that's why I was saying, like, Foxworth was saying, these guys let, let, let Dak be scapegoat, that's why they don't look in the mirror. Well, I'm going to have to call a little BS on that because he didn't give up all them points. All right. Well, that's, uh, this sounds like a good time to hear what Lewis uh, Riddick had to say, the voice of reason. They're not good enough in certain areas of their football team right now, and that's where their focus needs to be this offseason. How you like them apples? It's like saying I got to buy groceries to be able to cook my food. Duh. <laughs> duh. Louis, I, I love Louis Riddick, but duh. Yeah, they well, know. I mean, you know, what he's saying is, is just that. Like, you can talk about scapegoats and you can talk about all this other stuff, None of it matters if they don't get to the heart of the matter, which is making the team better, making the roster better. And uh, let's hear what he said next when he got specific about what they need to do. Start with redoing Dak's deal and then fix the interior of that defense. Otherwise, we're going to have the same discussion next year. You know? Uh, Which is kind of what you're talking about. You got to be able to stop the run, whether you do it with some defensive linemen, whether you do it with some linebackers, it doesn't matter. You have to be able to stop the run. And if you don't, it's going to be some sad singing and some slow walking off the field come playoff time next year. Uh, And then, you know, you might really get the change that people say that they want because McCarthy's on his last year. Uh, Most of the coaching staff is on their last year. So they're going to blow out everybody if they don't have what is uh, considered to be the season of expectations. Yeah, one of the most frustrating things as a former linebacker, just one of the most frustrating things is – Watching the Cowboys linebacker play probably the last four or five years has been suspect. Not just this year. The last four or five years has been suspect. So I thought they did good drafting uh, Obershawn last year. I keep bringing his name up because I think he's a pretty good player. And um, they, need to, they need to do it again this year. Bring in some young guys. Do some scouting. Like, like you say, the interior, whether it be Mozzie, whether it be Another defensive tackle, a whole nother system. I think, like I, I think they hired the right guy to fix. Well, I think it's. Um, we'll see. I mean, I think that they know they got to get better, bigger, and better on defense. Uh, it's funny that the, they won twelve games, and you sit here and look at me like, man, y'all got a lot of holes to fill, or you need to upgrade in a lot of spots, um, and if you don't. It's easy to see how you could go from 12 to 9, real easy. Um, you know, because you're not going to blow out all these bad teams. Some of these bad teams get a little bit better. Because you went and won the division, you're going to have that first-place schedule. 
And so, um, you know, they have to have a terrific draft, which they did not have last year. They got to get help from the draft this year. Didn't get any, almost no help from the draft last year. That's not to say that Schoolmaker and uh, Mozzie Smith and some other guys can't help this year, but they didn't help at all last year. So they got to get some help from the draft. Uh, they can show up a few spots in free agency, but they got to make some moves to get better because, you know, the team as we constructed now ain't good enough to do what they want to get done. In Shoemaker's defense, it's funny how you draft a guy in the third round at tight end, and then Jake Ferguson emerges big time. You know, that, that happens sometimes. Yeah. You know? And then guess what Shoemaker's doing? He kind of sort of getting the ball. You, you plan on him being a part of what you're doing, but big Jake, Jake took over. Yeah, and that's cool. But, you know, Schoemaker could have done more, should have done more, but he was hurt. For yeah. much of training camp. Yeah. Uh, if you miss training camp in the NFL as a rookie, it's just hard to ever catch up because there's so many reps, so many, uh, so much learning that goes on that particular time. Oh, so, to be see what he can do mouth, this year. You said a mouthful. I think of Andre Ware when I think of that. He never caught up in his career. But, anyway, that's a quick exit. But, anyway. Yeah. That was <laughs> – yeah. That was – yeah, that was not the gas station we thought it was. So we got right back yeah, on the highway. Yeah, we got right, right, right back on that. Yeah. But that's the Cowboys making a little bit of news in Indianapolis. Uh, the highlights, Dak's going to get his extension. Y'all just need to come to terms with it. And it's going to be a Dak's number. And I think the number I heard was uh, from uh, Spotrack, which does this sort of thing along with uh, OverTheCap.com, was uh, $180 million over three years. Mm-mm-mm. That, that about makes sense. That's $60 million a year. Um, you know, he'll be the highest-paid quarterback for a couple of weeks, and then somebody else will pass him up. Uh, but that's just what they pay quarterbacks these days, man, so you can come to grips with it. And don't forget, guys like Daniel Jones make $45 million a year. So that's just what it is. Baker Mayfield is going to end up with a one- or two-year deal for, you know, $42 million a year. If you're a starting quarterback in the NFL and you're any good, you're going to be making 48 to 50 plus. And if you're not any good, you're going to be between 25 and 40. So if you can play quarterback at the NFL level, you are going to be paid. (laughs) It's really just that simple. Uh, Now let's, uh, let's, let's shift over. Your Dallas Mavericks showed me a little something last night, man. Uh, but first, did you watch the Cleveland game the night before? No, I saw the uh, I saw the uh, play where uh, your boy your boy ended the game on. But yeah, no, yeah. I didn't watch. That it. was a uh, that was a great NBA game because there was, I mean, had I been watching you play that game on two K, I'd been like, dog, you need to get off the rookie level and go play on the All Star level. Because them cats were just dropping bombs. Uh, the guy who wanted Strews. Is that his name? Uh, I can't remember his name now. Uh, Max Cleveland. Max Strauss, Max Strews, however you yeah, want to Strews, say it. Strews. Yeah, Strews. Um, you got to put in perspective. He made five three-pointers in the last three minutes of the game. Because the Mavericks were up by 10 with about three minutes left. And he hit a three. And then the Mavs had what they're calling kind of a controversial inbounds infraction. It wasn't. It was just kind of a um, – it was a laissez-faire play that usually doesn't get called, but it got called this time. So they turned the ball over, and then he hit a three from the corner. And then he hit another three after the Mavericks had hit a three. And then he did what we see in the NBA all the time, dog. He came down and took a heat check three and made that thing. Where he was, uh, he took some. He took like one dribble, like two feet behind the line, and threw it up with a hand in his face. And all his threes were going rock bottom, nothing but net. And so, uh, you know, the game's going back and forth. It's a great game, really. It's a great game. It's going back and forth. And then uh, Luca, Mads come up with a terrific defensive play to force the out of bounds situation on the uh, on the throw in. And so they get the ball down one with like eight seconds left. And uh, Luca makes a terrific pass to P.J. Washington, who uh, goes up and dunks it in traffic. And uh, they're up by one with two seconds left. 
And, you know, this was interesting to me because Luca said it was his fault. Luca made the pass, backed up to just about the half-court line, allowing Strews to – he and Strews inbounded the ball. It was like that play where Villanova won the national championship because Strews inbounded the ball to one dude who immediately kicked it back to him. So he got kind of a running start. And he took that thing from 60 feet, and Luca came up to contest it. But what's the worst thing that can happen? You trying to contest a shot from 60, 65 feet, dog. You foul it. Yep. So you don't want to do that, and you're like, well, who's going to make a 65-foot shot? Well, it turns out this dude, Strews, did. I almost called him a 12-letter cuss word. Uh, turns out he did. And when you go back and look at it, that was not a, like a Hail Mary shot. That was like, I'm taking this long-ass jumper shot. Uh, now, you don't expect him to hit it, but, he, I mean, he hit it, man, and it was pandemonium. And so I was really curious to see how the Mavericks on a back-to-back would come out against Toronto. Um, now, let me tell you all this, because I heard some things on the radio the other day, and I was just laughing about them after the game. You can't take a football mentality to basketball or baseball or hockey. Like, oh, my God, how are you going to overcome that? that? Nah, that's a football mentality if you lose like that because you only got 16 games and each one seems like the world depends on it. The Mavericks playing 82 games. Yep. So this was a tough loss, but they're they going to have a bunch of tough losses during the season. You know what I mean? This is not any tougher. Than, I mean, it's a little bit tougher. But I put it in the category of, again, it's like 2K, man. Change the settings. Nobody hits because Donovan Mitchell hit a couple three points. They Cleveland hit seven three pointers in the last three minutes of the game. They went seven for seven on threes. Who does that? Nobody. Matter of fact, your boy made more three pointers. Strews. He made more three pointers in that game in the last three minutes. Five. Then check this out, Doug. He had made in the previous eight games. So I mean, what did we talk about the other day, man? Everybody in the NBA, at some point in their life, has been that dude who was Jordan in the league. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah, it was who, high school. Who was Jordan in high school. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. it was junior high. But at some point, everybody in the NBA was probably an unstoppable force at some point along the way. So they have it in them. But the superstars can bring it every night. The other guys, they can't channel it that often. You know, because I went and looked up, like, who the hell is this Strews guy? That dude averaging, like, 11 points a game, man. He just had a moment. Didn't he play with know? Miami? Man, please, I just heard about this dude the other day. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, I, he, I remember he a 2K him. 2K guy, so you may I remember may him going off, going off uh, last year for somebody in the playoffs. Hey, I think it, it was Miami. It can happen. And I'm not just talking about cats on the bench, but – if you're talking about NBA starters and guys who get regular minutes, any of them cats can go off on you at any moment. Uh, Mavericks lost a game earlier this year to Memphis when one of Memphis's role players, it was right after John Morant got hurt and was out for the year. One of Memphis's role players came in and put up like 20-something points, 15 in the fourth quarter. He was averaging like six points a game. But these cats, when they start feeling it, man, ain't nothing you can do about it. Um, so this goes back to why well, it was such a big game for the Mavericks because they got Boston coming up. Uh, you don't want a four-game losing streak, so it's important. And that's not assuming they'll lose to Boston, but Boston got the best record in the NBA playing at the crib. It's okay to say Boston will probably win that game. But uh, your boy Doncic, who – let me ask you this. Do you take Doncic for granted? Because I do. Nah, man. Nah, I, I love Don. I, I I don't I don't know what you mean. What you mean by taking him for granted? Like this on the second night of a back to back, he go eleven for twenty three from the field, thirty points, eleven rebounds, sixteen assists on the second night of a back to back. Oh, you just saying? Am I saying? Oh, that's that's Luca being Luca? Yeah, just like nah. like that ain't like that ain't no special game. Nah, you know, you know, I know what you're saying now. I don't, no, nah, I don't take him for granted because that's our, that's our superstar. And every time he do something, I'm like, 
Yeah, yeah. That's that, you know, it's just awesome to me because we we've been we've been uh, without a real superstar for a long time, and then you got you learn with Dirk and go. Those guys don't come along uh, very often, so everything Luke could do, yeah, I'm down with it. I'm down. No, with well, he was phenomenal last night, man. Uh, just phenomenal. Uh, and Kyrie Irving is just as good. He, you know, it's funny as. <laughs> Kyrie, Kyrie Irving is damn near just as good. He just doesn't do it consistently. Well, no, nah, he just doesn't do it in such a spectacular fashion. Oh, yeah, well, like hurt, what well, I just what I mean by consistency, he hurt all the time. Well, this is true, but uh, Kyrie Irving last night, eleven for twenty from the field, two for six on threes, five for five on the line, three assists, two steals, twenty nine points. Man, I mean, man. <laughs> Man, I'm just saying, man, that dude just, you know, it's, it's funny. We, we put down the Cowboys and walk away from the Rangers for a second, and the Mavericks is just as exciting, you know. And that's 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 the that's the DF dub now. Yeah. You know what I'm nah, saying? That, uh... That's our teams now. How about that? How, we, we blessed, dog. If, if, if people don't realize it, hey, we blessed right now. We we You know, it's been so many years where the Cowboys suck and the other teams are good and the other teams are bad. And the Cow- hey, we 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 living in good times in sports right now. Yeah, and don't forget, we ain't talked about it much, but your Dallas Stars are in first place. Yeah. You know, they've lost four yeah. out of five. Um, so, but, uh, you know, with the Mavericks, man, it, last night, P.J. Washington got off to a really good start. I think he scored 13 in the first quarter. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, you don't expect him to score 23 every night, but when he's going to give you that and play the defense that he's been playing since he got here, that's all good. Uh, you know, Hardaway Jr. had an effective game. First time in a minute. So, it, it was an all-around good performance uh, for the Mavericks who, check this out, man, Derek Lively and uh, Gafford combined for uh, 22 points. Uh, uh, 22 points, six block shots, and uh, 11 rebounds. How about that from the center position? That's not bad, huh? Oh, yeah. It's all good. I didn't see them rebounds get up a little bit, but. It's all good. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, what I'm saying is the Mavericks are playing good basketball, and uh, they're still in seventh place in the West. But that there's some there's very little different. I think it's a game between them and fifth place or fourth place. So it's a uh, you know it's a uh, all they need to do is just play good basketball. You do that, everything else with the standings will take care of themselves. I don't get caught up in the standings so much right now because again. And the West is so tight, it's going to fluctuate quite a bit. Um, if you look at it now, the Mavericks are one game out of fifth place. And they're four games out of fourth place uh, with the Clippers. And it looks like, to me, Denver is two games, uh, is in third place. It seems to me like the Mavericks will probably – you want to finish fifth or uh, – I guess I'd rather play the Clippers than the Nuggets – but the Clippers right now are really good with Harden and uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George because Harden has accepted his point guard role. He's kind of being deferential for the first time in a minute and allowing PG and Kawhi to do what they do. So uh, know this. The West playoffs going to be nasty again. That's really all you need to know. Because uh, the Mavericks are uh, nine games over 500 and in seventh place in the West. How about that? I think it's exciting, man. I, 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 I've seen Kyrie on the national stage every every now and then. But now he plays for the Mavericks, and you get to see him consistently. Yeah, he's an amazing player. Yeah, he is. He is an amazing player. He just carried a bad rep that he hadn't really shown in Dallas. So, And we talked about that before, but he's been fine in Dallas. Yeah. And so now you're getting focused strictly on his basketball as opposed to all this ancillary stuff. Uh, but now it's time for uh, Hartfield's favorite part of the show. Let's take a trip around the block. I devoted, I decided to devote some time today because I'm doing it. So now that doesn't mean everybody got to do it, but I know a lot of people are, are thinking about it. I am officially in 
get in my summer body mode. Now, what does that mean? That just means I'm trying to eat a little better, work out a little more efficiently, and make sure I got my summer body right for whatever I want to do in the summer. Wear a tank top. Wear a Speedo on the beach. I don't know. But if I want to, I, I, I want to feel good about it. So I decided to come in and just offer a few tips for those of you who want to spend the next three months getting your summer body right. Are you one of those, Joe? I'm trying to get the bad mental image of that Speedo out my mind. You know what? Uh, why did I know you was going to say something about that? Yeah. That's why you so, said it. Uh, I told you I had a cold, man. You can't be making me laugh. I'm my bad. So, here's just a few tips to get your summer body right. Now, you know, David, who handles a lot of our stuff, handles all our stuff, he's been in Costa Rica. He's been working on his summer body for the last month or so. So, he may want some of these tips, or he may be already doing them. But uh, my number one tip for getting your summer body right you can't out-exercise a poor diet. Okay? You just can't do it. So, if you're going to get your summer body right, you got to eat right. Now, we all know what eating right is for the most part. If you want a very basic eat right thing, very basic, don't eat fried foods. Or keep it to once a week. Early in the day. So you got time to work it off the rest of the day, whether you're just walking or whatever. So stay away from fried foods and stay away from sugar. If you do that, your diet will be pretty good. And sugar means soda, juice, and, you know, all the assorted snacks you would normally find. That's just a little tip to get your summer body right. Now, a lot of these things I've known for years, a lot of these things soda weight loss helped me with. That's S-O-T-A weightloss.com. If you really want some help, you need some help, check out Soda. They'll help you get right because they'll teach you how to eat and what to eat and when to eat. Uh, they helped me drop 50 pounds. I've kept it off. <laughs> you know, aside from Joe, y'all know how to do look sexy when you see me out there on them streets. But here's the other thing, dog. Consistency. It's just that simple. That's why I said if you eat right consistently... And you do a little working out, whatever that is for you. For some folks, that's walking in the mornings or in the afternoons around the neighborhood. It doesn't matter what you do. For some people, it's going to bike classes or yoga classes or water aerobics. Or for me, it's lifting. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you do it consistently. Three or four times a week. That's it. Do that and eat right. You'll be amazed at the summer body you have, you'll have. My last tip on getting your summer body right, because I want y'all to understand, there's nothing hard about what I just told y'all to do. It does require some discipline, but it's not hard. See, sometimes, and I've been there as a former fat guy, real talk. You can, you can look at the weight that you need to lose, and it can be like, oh my God. Where did this come from? It's daunting. How am I going to lose 30 pounds or 40 pounds or 50 pounds? No, I don't look at it like that. Just be like, today, I'm going to start doing what? I'm going to stop eating f uh, fried foods. I'm going to cut back my sugar intake. That's just what I'm going to start doing today. And um, here's the other thing, man. Write down everything you eat. Everything in a little notebook. You can do it on your phone in notes mode. You can write it in a spiral notebook. Whatever. Just write it down. And when you write down what you eat, if you're trying to get your summer body right, you'd be like, man, if I got to hold myself accountable by writing it down, I might not eat that. Uh, now, that doesn't work all the time because I write my stuff down. And the other day, I dreaded writing it down. I was like, man, I can't believe I did this. But it happens. This is not about perfection. This is about consistency. Check this out. 
Some more real talk for y'all. If you think you need to lose some weight, that's cool. It really is. Whatever weight you think you need to lose, 5 pounds, 10 pounds, 30 or 40 pounds, doesn't matter. Check this out. You didn't gain it in a day, you ain't going to lose it in a day. So one bad meal, one bad day is not going to derail your get your summer body right plan. It just ain't. Now, if you do it consistently, yes, it will. So all we talking about, man, is being consistent. If you do that, you'll have the summer body that you want, whatever that is. Because losing weight, man, working out, that's all about an individual. You know, who cares what the, what the world says? This is for you. All right? For you. So, like I said, get rid of fried foods and sugar. Get yourself a consistent workout plan, whether that's lifting weights, whether it's running, whether it's walking in the neighborhood. For some folks, it's mowing the grass. It's whatever your plan is. Do it consistently. And then write down everything you eat. And then hit me on Twitter, at JJT Journalist. Let me know how it's going. You find any of that helpful, bro? I would say this: if I can, rem- if I, if I, if I can remember everything I ate, it's kind of like the same thing. If I can, rem- like you saying, write it down. If I can remember everything I ate, I'm, I'm doing good. You yeah. know, I just ate one of these, well, or I ate two of these, or I, you know what I'm saying? When I can't, that, when, me, I, when, yeah. I, when I can't remember everything I ate, that means I ate too much stuff in the day. Well, let me tell you what happens. And this, none of this I'm telling you, all of this has happened to me. Because what have I told y'all? The fight for the fat guy, the fat guy inside me, that dude got some willpower. He will never quit. That dude come after me almost every day. Like, I like to eat cashews and pecans and unsalted nuts, stuff like that. Well, you know, if you're not careful, you can eat during the course of a day. I'm just going to pour... A portion of cashews in my palm That's about an ounce That's 170 calories But I did it five times Because I threw them up in my mouth They was good And two hours later I came back and had another one And I said well all I had was some nuts today I mean it's not like I ate a candy bar or something But dog I had about 600 calories Worth of cashews (laughs) Which is not helping my plan Because I still ate the rest of the stuff I ate So Excuse me. It's all about just being consistent. And uh, I got an app that I use to write it down uh, because it tells me uh, how many calories is in everything. It just holds me accountable. I like the accountability for myself. Everybody can find their own way to it. But that's just a few things to make sure that you got the summer body that you want uh, when summertime rolls around. Uh, One other thing, dog, I was going to tell you about. I I wanted to know your thoughts on it. Is uh, I finally executed uh, yesterday Went and got my dude a passport Applied for one anyway And this came up at Christmas time Because he had asked me to buy him a pair of Jordans And I was like Why not spend that money and get you a passport And he said why And I said because You got a pair of Jordans You got several pair of Jordans It's just another pair of tennis shoes You can't wear them but one at a time As I sound like somebody's daddy uh, I said but you like, you like to explore You've been talking about going up to the West Coast and just looking at the uh, some kind of trail in Portland and Oregon and Seattle and Washington. Uh, and you've talked about maybe going to Europe at some point. I said, you got to have a passport to do all that stuff, dog. So let's spend that money on a passport. And it got me to thinking. I know you've been over uh, through several parts of the world in the service. Mm-hmm. Is there anywhere that you want to go? No. Um. I would akin to what you're doing is uh, what my mom did in eighty summer '83. She sent you to Nebraska. Yep, she sent me to Nebraska and then uh, to Omaha to visit my cousins. And I ran summer track, and I ended up going to South Dakota, Wisconsin, uh, Iowa, and my world was it made my world bigger. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Texas, Arlington, Texas, and Dallas, Texas. Dallas was the biggest place I ever been, you know, or the most diverse place. And I ended up going across the states and running track. And it was like, okay, this is what it means to travel. Yeah. So then I began, you know, 
I, I began my career after that. I went to school in Iowa. I went to school in Nebraska. And then I went to the service. So, yeah, I, I think that's not kind of what you're doing with him, opening up the world for him. Yeah, I, um, I got to travel a little bit when I was a kid. And when I say a little bit, like I went to Ohio every summer with my dad. Mm-hmm. We was in Nashville once or twice a year. Tennessee, I had another aunt that lived in Little Rock, so we was in Arkansas once or twice a year. And I'm not saying that was a big deal, but yeah, I got out of I got out of good. Texas. That's pretty yeah, that's what I'm saying. A lot of people don't leave their area ever. Yeah. You know, or the state so. ever. Or they, you know, they, a lot of people don't leave within three hundred miles of where they live ever. Now you would think that's not true, but let me tell y'all, that is true. That uh there's so many people who just Dallas is all they know. Or think about this when you was a kid. I don't know how you felt. I remember reading somewhere. Like, L.D. Bell was playing Trinity in some big game when I was a kid. And I lived in Oak Cliff. And the thought of Trinity and Hearst and Euless seemed like it was a world away, though. Yeah, yeah. Everything was further away back then. And you yeah. think about it, what is that, 25 miles? Yeah. 25-minute drive? But it seemed yeah. like literally a world away. Well, I was in Grand Prairie, but if you went to Redbird Mall, it was like, what? You went to Redbird? Wow. Duh. You know, or you went to for what? It's like, man, yeah, yeah it, it was it was it was a lot everything was a lot further away. So my son has shown this uh desire to want to get out and travel and just see the world. And uh it's interesting to me because I wasn't really like that. Uh even though I went, like I said, to just a few places. But uh, you know, like he's uh he's planning on transferring to Ohio State next year. And then I said, so you coming back to Dallas after that, you think? He said, no, nah, I probably want to move to Houston. Now, we can say, well, Houston's just down the street. I was like, really? Why is that? He said, oh, I just heard a lot of good things about it, so I just want to live there for a few years and see what it's all about. That's what I mean when I say he's just kind of an explorer type. But uh, I've also got a friend of mine who's moving to, uh, to Europe. And uh, he's a good friend of mine. And uh, we were kicking it. He's like, oh, yeah, man, you got to tell your dude to come hang out with me one summer if he ain't doing nothing. And I was like, if you had told me that, I might be like, yeah, I don't know about all that. I don't know if I need to be over there in Europe for a summer or something. But my dude, if I tell him, hey, your boy said uh, once you get your passport, if you got time, come hang out with him one summer. I guarantee you. I don't know if he'd be there the whole summer. I guarantee you he'd be over there three or four weeks. Just checking it out. And so uh, I kind of wanted to open him up to those thought processes. Uh, while he was a young man, got no kids, got no family, you can explore the world and see everything uh, before he's, you have to grow up and have some responsibility. And as I was thinking about that, man, I got five places I want to go. I've kind of been to, like, and some of these are, like, I, I, I want to go to Hawaii. Seems beautiful over there. I also want to go to Alaska. I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued by Alaska. Whale watching, something like that. Uh, I want to go to, to a real safari. I was looking up how much a safari costs to go to Africa on a safari. Like, I want a real one. Like, I want to see some, some lions taking down some zebras. <laughs> yeah. And I want to see it up close. Yeah, golly. But I don't want to die while I'm over there. Roger that. Because <laughs> I'm looking at safaris and... Like, they got, hey, this is a luxury safari. It's 17000 a person. Like, I don't know if I need to experience that safari. There's another one that was like well, you don't, t- you don't You don't want to go to the one that's $500 a person. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I saw some other ones that were like uh, economy safari. Yeah, no, nah, nah, man. We don't want that. No, nah, I'm not finna go over there. Yeah. And y'all, y'all holding my funeral like, yeah. hey, he got gored by an antelope because the truck he was in fell apart. Yeah. And uh, when the lion killed the antelope, the antelope flew into the truck. Yeah. So no, I ain't doing none of that. Yeah, you don't want uh, you don't want Jaffo and Jimmy to pull up on a flatbed truck. No, so get on the back end. We gonna take you on some fire now, dog. No, you I got your five hundred dollars right now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so no, nah, so I want to go to Africa and go on safari, uh, and then I also want to go to uh, Ghana and see that last doorway of the slave trade, and kind of experience that. Uh, want to go to Greece because that just seems exotic to me. And then I want to go back to London 
I was there with the Cowboys a few years ago, and I got to see Manchester United play, and I got to go see Fulham play with Archer. Uh, I went to go see Manchester United play with Brad Sham, voice of the Cowboys. But I want to go back to London, and really, I just want to spend like a week watching soccer. I want to go see all the... London's got like seven teams, I think. I want to just go spend some time seeing them all play for like a week or so. And just check out some Premier League soccer at its highest level. Experience the crowds and all of that stuff. That's kind of on my travel bucket list. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I don't. I don't have nowhere I want to go. <laughs> I'm just double checking. No, I'm just. I was. Just, I was sitting. I mean, you spent all that time on the road as a truck driver, and that, then you spent some time and, overseas yeah, in, in the too. service, and you might just be like. I've done all traveling I need to travel You can ask all my friends I love being at home Yeah I know you That know, you, took us six months To get you to To uh, Smokey John's No No don't start that Because you was bringing Smokey John's And then it was Coming to Smokey John's We got We we knocked Smokey John's The hell out the park And it was great You know And we gonna do the, We gonna do it again That's what I think I think we should do it again Alright Cool yeah, But that's uh, That's our trip around the block today Brought to you this week by Smokey John's Barbecue. Uh, Smokey John's, home of the Jam Session Bowl. It is fantastic. It truly is. Uh, the food is phenomenal. Uh, it truly is. Uh, the Jam Session Bowl, for those of you who still have not tasted it, it's worth your time. It's worth your effort. It's a great Saturday afternoon. Just roll through. It's about uh, five minutes north of downtown Dallas. But the Jam Session Bowl is a bowl with either mac and cheese base, which Joe rocked with, or mashed potato base, which is what I usually get. Then you get your choice out of two out of five smoked meats. I usually rock with the brisket and the sausage. And then all that stuff they put on the loaded baked potato, chives and bacon bits and sour cream and cheese and butter, all that stuff, man. They put it on there, then they either drench it with sauce or drizzle it with sauce, however you like to get down. And it is what, Joe? What is it, dog? It is love in your mouth. <laughs> it's so good. Look at Joe's face. Can't y'all see the happiness as he's thinking about love in your mouth? That's all right. I got a headlock waiting on your ass, too. That's 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 the jam <laughs> session, bro. It's enough for two people. If you got a little shorty, there's five or six. Even seven. It's enough for three of y'all. You're always going to have some leftovers. Real talk. Uh, if you need Smokey John's in your life faster than that, you can't get to the uh, to uh, the restaurant this week, you can go online, SmokeyJohns.com. You can order the rub or the sauce. All you got to do is go to the marketplace, click on the rub or the sauce. We got the rub right here. See, I told you I had it at the crib. Uh, and you can have it at your house today. If you need it even faster... Go to H-E-B. They got them all over Dallas-Fort Worth now. Burleson, Allen, Waxahachie, you know, Frisco. It's on the shelves. Pick it up. You can have it at your crib today to put on some meats. Or I use it on popcorn. I told y'all about that. But it's uh, it's terrific. But that's Smokey John's Barbecue. The food is delicious. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a barbecue connoisseur. I, I'm, I'm going to try the, uh, the ribs and the chicken. But the sausage and the brisket was was outstanding. It all looked great, and it, like I said, some of these barbecue places you go to, customer service, and but my big thing is the temperature of the food and the customer service. Both right, of them, right. both of them was outstanding at Smokey John. Well, at Smokey John's barbecue, they bring us Clarence E. Hill Jr. and Todd Archer each and every Friday and Wednesday. Today, they're bringing you and bringing us the block. So go get you some. Why? Because it's love in your mouth. <laughs> now, let's wrap it up, man. Your Dallas Cowboys, how do you feel about this as a former football player? Cowboys got a report card, I believe. Did I send you the report card? Yeah. Uh, they got a report card from the NFLPA on how they did in a variety of categories that the league wants to know about. And in treatment of families, Cowboys got an A-minus, fourth in the league. 
food cafeteria, which is interesting to me. They got a B this year, and they were ranked 11. Last year, they got an A. Now, the Cowboys, I've been through there. I haven't eaten there. But it's interesting that the cafeteria would drop because I don't know if they maybe they replaced the chef and the new guy don't cook as or the new person doesn't cook as good as the old person. But, you know, they got a really nice setup for food. So it's interesting that it failed. Uh, nutritionist dietitian was a B. Locker room got an A, which is second in the league. Training room got a C minus, which is 26. Training staff got a D plus. Damn. Which was 30th. Uh, we're going to go back to that in a second. The weight room and the head coach got A's. How about that? Players like Mike McCarthy. Strength coach is a B plus. Travel was a C minus. I'm curious about that. Ownership was a B. But the training staff in the training room got a C minus and a D plus. And according to stuff that I've read, the biggest issue is it's not the trainers. They're superb. Like trainer Jim Mauer has been around for uh, just about 30 years. Um, he's been a head trainer, I believe, since uh, 1994. Uh, he's terrific. Uh, Britt Brown is acknowledged, widely acknowledged, as one of the best rehab trainers in the league, if not the best. Uh, now, you don't like him when you're going through the process, but when he got your body right after that ACL or whatever you got, that torn Achilles, you thank him later. Uh, but he, you know, his personality is not for everybody, but that you, you have to have a certain personality in that job to push people to make them get the best out of themselves so they can get their career back. The problem, based on what I've read, is that, and this, let me just keep my thought. The problem, based on what I've read, is that there are not enough trainers and personnel. So, like, Joe says, hey, I need to get this looked at. I need somebody to take a look at this. You got to wait a little while before they get freed up to look at it, because they don't have enough bodies. And you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of the Cowboys just being cheap sometimes. I mean, really, that's what it is. They have more money than God. They're the richest franchise in the world. Hire a couple of more trainers so that you can, Britt and Jim can do their thing and still have enough people to help everybody else. That seems to me like, why do you have, I believe they've got like five or six people trying to handle 80 players. Because don't forget, it's 53 players and 16 on the practice squad. So what is that, 70 player? Uh, so that to me seems to be the biggest issue. They're just being cheap. Go hire some more people. Free Jim and Britt up. Make your players a little happier. And then uh, there were some complaints about they need a little more state-of-the-art equipment. Again, that's just money, man. If people say, hey, we need this or that, it doesn't seem to me to be much for a franchise like the Cowboys to plunk down another. Pick a number, man, 300, 400, 500,000, a million, get some more equipment, and give your players what they need to thrive. I'm surprised in a lot of these pro leagues that they don't have standards for that. You are a minimum for that. I remember uh, in the NBA where the Phoenix Suns had the best doctors at one time. And everybody was sending their players over there to get right. checked, you know, to get worked on on knee injuries and stuff. I would, I would think it would be a standard of like a uh, minimum how many trainers you got to have. But I guess they let everybody operate on their own, right? Their own deal. Right. But as a, at the end, like that's where the NFLPA come in and say, "Hey, how about we get you know, the players is your commodity. You know, why not spend the money to take care of them?" Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You like some of these dealerships hire five mechanics to look after three hundred and fifty cars. Right, and then you take you two weeks to get your car instead of one week. Yep, yep. So now, so I find that interesting. Um, I think in general the Cowboys are a good organization. Uh, they ranked uh, really high in terms of uh, taking care of your family, which you know you'd be surprised at some teams that don't. Um, and it's, it's just amazing what, what teams put a priority on. Some teams put a priority on, some teams don't. But uh, I would like to uh, – I bet somebody asked Jerry about that at the end of the week, and uh, we'll have some comments for you then. But, uh, yeah, so the Cowboys got overall a good report card, but they need to work on that training staff just well, a little bit and get it up to date. It's interesting the things that uh, doing this show that you learn about the NFL that you didn't know. That one that that the one the Cowboys would be cheap is on on something as important as the training staff. 
That's right. just crazy. The, the food in the cafeteria is better than the damn medicine or the rehab you get or whatever. The service you get. Yeah. And then uh, the other thing was the combine. Do you guys ever, ever get to look at the players? I didn't realize so much went on at the combine that don't have nothing to do with the players running, jumping, and testing and all of that. That's pretty fascinating to me. That that's the big network place. And then, yeah. do you did you do you do you do you guys ever get time to look at uh, players work out or you just spend all your other time doing, you know, doing business like that? Uh I think this, you know, I've only been to the combine once and I don't think I spent much time uh watching guys work out. Right. Uh, right. You know, you get to interview them. <laughs> Well, that's not, the ins and outs that people. That's the ins and outs that fans yeah. don't really know, which is to me is pretty fascinating. Well, you know, it's all televised now, and if you're a team, you don't have to look at it right then because you can watch it on T. I mean, you get the tape sent to you. So, yeah, if you're a reporter and you're one of the guys who really gets down on the combine, you know, when you got some free time, you can go back and watch the tape, uh, watch the watch the broadcast of it. Uh, if that's how you get down, yeah. But for y'all, it's mostly networking and. Everybody's in the same place, so y'all gonna get you know y'all can get a, yeah. get a hold on. Okay, yeah, yeah. So now lots of moving parts to the combine. Very little of it has to do with the players, right there. It's more about you know that's what Archer was talking about the other day when he said he doesn't like to go quite as much because the agents aren't there the way they used to be there, and you can't really move like you like you want to move and talk to the people that you want to talk to because this is an access business where when you have access to people, you can glean information. Right. If you don't have access to them, doesn't matter how good a reporter you are, you can't glean nothing because ain't nobody there. Right. And so those are the things you got to fight through as we as we deal with uh, new media. So we always like to thank uh, Greening Law. Podcast doesn't happen without them, nor does it happen without my friends at Smokey John's Barbecue, eighteen twenty, West Mockingbird. Remember, do us a favor. Go to The Real Jacques Talk on YouTube. Subscribe, like, leave a comment. Helps the show grow, and that's important. Because we're trying to be here for a minute, you know? Uh, you can always follow the show on IG at The Real Jacques Talk. You can hit me on Twitter, at JJT Journalist. Remember, if you think you follow me, you don't. Because I had to get a new account. All right? I am Jean-Jacques Taylor is the handle. Until we talk again, you guys be blessed.